1: Welcome back to the Staffing Graph Podcast. I am Mike Stevens of Sports Illustrated and the Hockey News, and sitting across from me is the one and only future first female gem in NHL history and also of Sports Illustrated and the Hockey News, Rachel Dory. Rachel, how you doing on this lovely, you know, beach weather type day in, in downtown Toronto?
0: I am uh, severely regretting my decision to return home from Mexico when I had the option
1: to stay. Now the thing is when you were in Mexico, like the weather wasn't really that bad. Like we had a couple, we had a couple frigid days, but then after that, it was like kind of hovering around, freezing one, one minus two. And then maybe like five days after you come back, we are hit with the biggest blizzard we've seen in quite some time.
0: Probably like I think they were saying earlier today, like in four decades. So like yeah. basically the biggest storm of our lives. Now, I mean, I've been in New Jersey, so this ain't the biggest storm I've seen. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like my mother's supposed to be coming home today, and no, she's not. She ain't coming home. And there's a part of me that's like, I didn't stay in Mexico for what reason?
1: There were like we were supposed to, at least I was supposed to go into the the hockey news office today, which is only about a 25 minute walk from from uh, my condo, and it's a it's a pleasant walk and even then and i'm not driving or anything even then uh Stephen ellis my my lovely editor was like now nah, we're not we're not doing that today we're all just going to stay and inside and to give
0: to give some context to people who like aren't quite familiar like if you just go on twitter and search 401 there are people the 40 the 400 series highways are the major highways in canada and the 400, 401 is the highway that stretches like from basically from like bc to like the east coast like it's our trans canada highway there are mm-hmm. videos of people shoveling the 401
1: yeah it's it's remarkable
0: out of their cars because
1: <laughs> that's definitely gonna help <laughs> like that's the thing yes <laughs> i don't know like Super as much, as, as cool as it is it's like uh, you know, you're not gonna. It's not really gonna do that much. Um, and
0: then I saw that uh, the DVP and the Gardener were closed, and somebody replied, "Can we just keep the Gardener closed permanently?"
1: Yeah, my favorite thing is if you go on the hashtag, oh, like on Ontario, so on storm on Twitter, some great stuff. So it's from Doctor Amit Arya. It's so what will the Ontario government say about OnStorm? The storm is mild. The amount of snow doesn't matter. Accidents are happening with snow, not from snow. We've got lots of tow trucks, but no drivers. And if you're young, healthy, and can afford shovels, then don't worry.
0: (laughs) I saw saw Dr. Jennifer Kwan, who's been like, she does a lot of like really good visual stuff Mm. um, for COVID. And she tweeted this morning, I have been howling at this. Big weather says there's a snowstorm coming, but have you gone outside to do your own research? There is no snow. Wake up. In all seriousness, stay safe everyone because and hope and hopefully you have winter tires. And someone literally tweeted at her the snowstorm is not going to start until tomorrow morning. So I'm not really sure what the point of your thread is. One would think a doctor would be smart enough to understand how a weather forecast works.
1: Well, that person was wrong because I was up until like 1 a.m. last night. And let me tell you, it, the snow started at like 10. But there's another one. It's Ontario Storm. Um,
0: it's it's literally a joke. Like hashtag, how, yeah. like, <laughs> hashtag on <laughs> how storm.
1: It's a hoax. All a ploy all by big shovel to get us to buy their shovels and use them <laughs> over and over. I mean, every time I shovel the snuff, it just comes back. Shovels don't work. oh remarkable yeah
0: you know if i buy a shovel does that mean that it won't snow
1: yeah both both people with shovels and people without shovels experience snow snow. yeah that's that's what we need to know but
0: the thing is is the people with the shovels will be able to lead their daily lives without huge issue and the people without the shovels We'll be in the much bigger predicament. I want
1: to know how Joe Rogan would handle this. Like he would just, he would, he would, you would bring out like a flamethrower and try and like, you know, like hit the, oh, it'd be ridiculous. Anyway.
0: Did I tell you, speaking of like Joe Rogan, did I tell you about my experience in the pharmacy at the Mexican airport?
1: Uh, did you see Joe Rogan there?
0: No, but it was related.
1: How? Okay, tell me. How possibly could an experience in a Mexican pharmacy be related to Joe Rogan? This is going to be an interesting connect the dots.
0: Okay, so in Mexico, they speak Spanish.
1: What? Yeah. Hold the phone.
0: And I have picked up, like, enough Spanish to, like, be able to ask for the basics, right? Where is this? Can I have this? Hola. Yeah. Uh, the bill, like all that kind of stuff, right? Like I've picked up enough. And so I'm- Muy buen. Muy buen. <laughs> Muy um, Yeah. So I'm in the Mexican airport. We're coming home. And um, I need chapstick. And they don't just like sell like the regular- Like, they don't just have it at, like, the gift, duty-free, whatever. So, but they do have the Mexican kind of pharmacy in the airport. And so I'm like, okay, they've got to have ChapStick there because they have, like, Advil there and whatever. So I walk in, and this should not shock anybody, but the Mexican Food and Drug Administration, like, their iteration of it is not nearly as strict as the one in Canada and the U.S., and you can get away with a lot. Like, they sell steroids over-the-counter there. And so I go in... And everything is in Spanish. Like it's just this little like hole in the wall thing. And it's everything is in Spanish. I see the chapstick thing. So I'm like, I'm going to pick it up. And then I turn around to just like look at the other wall just to make sure in case I need anything else. And everything is in Spanish except two big, bold words. Okay, And they are like size literally 200 font. And these medications take up an entire wall, which I would say is about eight feet by four feet. Okay. So like 32 square feet of wall. That's what math,
1: yes. Math checks out. And
0: the two words, one at the top, ivermectin, one in the middle, hydroxychloroquine, which means that there are enough people that are coming to the airport in search of these two things that they feel the need to make it a quarter of their store stock. Oh my God. <laughs> the only two English words ivermectin, hydroxychloroquine, and then lo and behold, I'm now at the cash register paying for my chapstick. And a guy walks in. And it's Joe and, Rogan. And no, and I literally, I like, I. I hear him rustling. So I look in the mirror so I could see what's happening behind me. This man grabbed eight boxes of ivermectin.
1: What? In an airport. Why is there a pharmacy in an airport? Anyway. I don't know. Like, are people picking up prescription? Like, like, because pharmacies are like, you got to. It's not
0: really like a prescription pharmacy. It's more like you got to get your Advil here. But they can't sell steroids at like duty free. But why? So that's so weird. And you can't you can't pick up
1: ivermectin at duty free either. Well, yeah, I would hope I don't like <laughs> where where do you even pick? I, isn't ivermectin horse dewormer? Like, why is it in a people <laughs> pharmacy? It should be in a vet because pharmacy. People
0: are using because there is enough of a demand for it. That which is the most alarming thing is that Joe Rogan has created enough of a demand for ivermectin. Did you see Joe Rogan
1: get schooled by a real doctor on his podcast?
0: Oh did I that's ever that but okay
1: so Rachel i, the I Mexican I know uh, just real the, quick real quick before I know that we're not supposed to swear but let me just say that watching that gave me sexual pleasure that's all I'll say continue
0: <laughs> so so the Mexican airport rules are a lot more lax like for example once you clear security you can then go back outside and have a cigarette and then just come back in
1: oh yeah you know I love, because, I love how Scotiabank Arena has more stringent in and out policy than the Mexican airport.
0: <laughs> Literally and when you go, you just put your bag on the thing. There's no liquid, uh like things. There's like Oh really? You I don't have to take my laptop out or anything. I just stroll right through and I have the like Mexican Canadian version like US version of the Nexus. So like I have my regular Nexus, but then there's another thing you could tack on top if you travel to Mexico mm-hmm. that like makes it easier. So you show that and they're like, yeah, just go through. I'm like, I literally could have like 10 pounds of cocaine and like nothing would happen.
1: That's nuts. Cause I remember like I, I, we went on a, we went on a, a, a trip, like a, an exchange trip in grade 12 to Denmark, which is the only time I've ever been out of out of, like being to Europe, which is pretty cool. And I was dating a girl at the time and we had a layover in Iceland and I was like, oh, I'll get her like this awesome Icelandic like, you know, like uh, uh, like facial scrub from from the actual like lagoons that they have there, like the hot springs. Yes. It would be great. And it was like this tiny little tube because it cost so much. And I was, you know, 17 or something at the time. And they wouldn't let me bring it on the plane. And yet that's. Because it it was because it was uh, because it was liquid, you know, or like liquid or in a liquid container or whatever, and yet and yet you can just bring you could bring like a friggin' like an entire water cooler on the plane if you wanted to. (laughs) It's that's absurd. Yeah. So Mexico
0: is a little more lax as. As seen by, I don't know. You could just smoke cigarettes in the airport and buy eight boxes of ivermectin.
1: Yeah, you know, got you gotta you gotta get stocked up on the on the horse dewormer. You know, because I own a because I, I own a farm and my my horses, they might be yeah. Might be infected. So anyway,
0: suffice to say, I don't think I'm seeing my mother tonight.
1: Probably not. I think
0: I would, and I don't think TFC is flying out to LA tomorrow for training camp. <laughs> I
1: would I would bet the over on number of days you're gonna see your mom. But, you know, she
0: he was 0.5. Yeah, she'll come back. All right.
1: I don't think we have time for you to tell your story about taking eight hours to drive 40 kilometers in New Jersey. Unfortunately, Rachel, I think we got a rip through. No, this. it
0: literally was just it's the same snowstorm as this, except to double the snow. And I was actually coming home from my psychiatrist's mm. appointment.
1: So you're in a great space. So-
0: I was in a great headspace and then it took me eight hours to get home. And the best part about it was I got home at 2 a.m. and I had to be at work for six. And so I ended up sleeping on the
1: floor in my office. You did the old uh, you did the old like guy on the verge of a divorce uh, uh, thing. We're just sleeping at the office, (laughs)
0: which, by the way, like if. It takes your employee like eight hours to get home when it really should take them like 20 minutes.
1: Maybe give them the day off. Yeah. (laughs) Like there is, I'll have to look it up, but there, it was so funny, like real quick before we hop into hockey stuff in, I think grade 11, there was a snowstorm exactly like this. And it was like, maybe even more like it was, it was crazy. And for some reason, school was not canceled. Like no one really went, but my parents were like, you need to be a good boy. You need to go. And so I you
0: can't be truant.
1: Exactly. So I I literally like I trekked through like a it, it it was for people who you haven't seen Star Wars. For people who've seen Star Wars, it's like I was I was like Luke on the Ice Planet Hoth. Like I was trekking, I almost got hit by like three cars on the way to school. <laughs> I couldn't tell what was like it was snowing so hard I couldn't tell what was the road and what was the sidewalk. And it turns out I was just walking in the middle of the road, almost got hit a bunch of times. We get to school and they're like, Well, no one's really here. Like it's me and like four other people in our in our first class. They're like, So what we're gonna do is we're gonna do like a wellness lesson. So it's like about mental health. Oh, wellness. And cool. And they made us fill out a uh, they made us fill out like a, like a a worksheet it was like you know what was the last time when was the last time you were upset how did that make you feel like this that the other and I was upset this morning yes. when I
0: had to come to school and oh, all I God. did
1: was fill it out like I was upset when they made me like the TDSB made me go to school in a blizzard and it's like how did I make you feel really <laughs> mad like it was you know I'll find it's on Facebook somewhere my handwriting is awful but it's hilarious anyway the NHL all-star teams have been announced back let's get into hockey some real quick uh, headlines here and look there are some there's some great players that're going like I'm happy for Jack Campbell getting his first all-star nod you know uh, 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 like there's some last man in guys that I hope get in I hope uh, like I, le- I want to see Phil Kessel in an all-star game before we before he hangs up the skates you know stuff like that but there are some atrocious snubs from this and I know I know that the, that the all-star game like let me preface this the all-star game you know it's it's for the fans and every team has to have a representative and that's fine I get that. But when you have a guy, and we'll get into some of the more, I, I wrote a, a thing on the five most, you know, atrocious snubs this year. But when you have a guy who is fourth in the league in scoring and is on pace for over 130 points, and he's not even a last man in candidate, or I think he is, no, he is a last man in yeah, candidate. Yeah, he is. But then you have the, who will, who will likely win the, after that, you have a guy who will likely win the Vesna Trophy this year, and he's not even a last in, man in candidate. That is that's despicable. So let's go through some of the biggest snubs, Rachel.
0: I look at it and I go first of all, and this is probably the the biggest talking point. Mm-hmm. Why are we having an all star game at all in the middle of a pandemic? Yeah, it makes
1: uh, makes very little sense, especially because like it's too unsafe to go to the Olympics. Yeah, because of COVID. But
0: you know what? Everyone's going to gather in Vegas, which notoriously is known as the most
1: safe place imaginable. Like we're like the hockey news. We're supposed to go to this and yet i'm pretty it sure we're not like i'm pretty sure yeah
0: like we don't we should not be having an all-star game and i get sponsorships like the amount of people on twitter that, that were like you don't understand how sponsorship work and i had to be like excuse me i literally have a sports business degree i very know how this works yeah i could actually give you a whole write-up on well, it don't do that and no. i'm gonna tell you that we do not need to be having the all-star game this year
1: but the look rachel at this point do we really are we really uh, uh, surprised that the NHL is doing something that makes no sense with little care for the players safety? Like, I, I don't think so. Like, it's it's ridiculous. Anyway, let's go. Let, let's just let's just imagine for a second that this all star game is being held safely. You know, it's well, actually, the reason the big reason why, um, like other aside from health and safety and whatnot, but a big reason why, like, you know, we like the hockey news, our company, like canceled the trip there is because we weren't going to get a ton of access to the players. So what would be the point? And so that's like right. Isn't, there's no
0: point in going. So isn't
1: that the point of the All Star game? Is to get these players and have fun, like get Austin Matthews to to have like a hacky, like a, what's it called? That clip of him with a, a fanny pack ta- ta- like tied around his waist, and he has to twerk all these golf balls out of it, or ping pong balls out of it or something. Yeah. And, like, but we're not going to be able to do that. So it's there's no point. So we're just going to play it like a lazy game. In, on a Sunday afternoon, and that's gonna be it.
0: And it's like, it's a three on three game. Like, to me, at least NBA All Star weekend, like, they do a good job because it's like, even if you're not playing in the game, we have people in the dunk contest, people in the three point contest. To me, there's no excuse for not having, like, Ovechkin, like, the, all the guys with, like, the hardest shots. Mm-hmm. Like, even PK Subban, he should be in oh, the yeah, hardest yeah. shot competition. Obviously, not an All Star, but when you talk, you can't say this player has the hardest shot in the league. If they're not even competing against the best, like, Chara should be there for the hardest Shot competition. And, like, fastest skater Kasperi Kapanen should be there.
1: It really does. Absolutely. It goes to show, and, like, Alex Formenton, if he's even in the NHL right now, like, stuff like that. But it goes to show... Yeah,
0: Alex Formenton, Andreas Athanasiu, yeah, like... Yeah, Ilya Mikheyev. We want to see the actual fastest skater,
1: not... Okay, but he does... Not but. I'm, I'm agreeing with you, so... In addition to, um, it goes it goes to show how little that NHLers actually care about the All Star Game because if you look at the NBA, like um, I believe it was, it who was it was it Rudy Gobert who didn't get voted in uh, like it, this was like two or three years ago and he like cried in the middle of a media thing like he like there was a scrum and someone yeah, asked the him,
0: NBA actually does like a really good job like I remember I was actually working for MLSE when uh, they hosted they host the All Star Game yeah and like I got to see the stuff like behind the scenes and like. The stuff that the NBA does versus like what the NHL does, like they actually make it something you want to be at. There's a reason LeBron James is there all the time. It's a VIP
1: event. And like –
0: Yeah, like they make it something that you want to be at. And the NHL, I don't know who they need to call up at the NBA, but that phone call needs to take place quickly. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And like, but NHLers don't care. Like NBA players, Carl Anthony Towns, when he got selected, and he wasn't even a starter. He got selected as like a as like a like a, a reserve to his first all-star game. And he like rented out like a movie theater in his hometown with like all of his with like all of his family in it in, in, in you know around him to watch the the ESPN like sort of like all-star roster reveal. And like when he got revealed, like the place exploded and he started to cry like it's huge. Like now it's it's like with N- NHL players, like Nathan McKinnon's like yeah, I'm in, but it's kind of it's kind of a shame that Naz isn't here. And you're like whatever, who cares? Like move on. It's it's a shame. But anyway, speaking of Naz not being in, so I did a top five uh, uh, snubs, and number one is Nazem Kadri. Like this guy, he's scoring. He's fourth in league scoring. He's scoring at over hundred and thirty point pace for one of the top teams in the league. And let's also say that all of his metrics, they don't, they're not painting him as a guy who's riding unsustainable shooting luck. He's just playing more and playing better no, he's shooting
0: like 12 or 13% He's shooting
1: lower than his, than, than his, um, than his most productive season in Toronto. Like he's shooting like at a lower percentage,
0: right? He's like just above his career average. So it's not like a, he's shooting like 19% or
1: anything. Yeah. He's just, he's averaging more. He's averaging two extra minutes of ice time per game than his career average. And he's just playing better in more minutes. And the fact that this guy is going in and again, Every like every team needs to have a a thing or whatever. But Nick Suzuki has got 19 points in 36 games and he's and he's there. And Naz has to scratch and claw for a last man in vote.
0: Or like in speaking of like same division, what the hell is Clayton Keller doing going? Exactly.
1: I I use it's funny. I use both of those guys as like the the benchmarks of like players who shouldn't be going. And like so another one, Igor Shosturkin, he's the best goaltender in the league this year. He, yeah. Let me let me read some of his stats. He's got a he leads the league in save percentage with go, with goalies who have made more than five starts. Because on NHL.com it says like some random dude has like a nine ninety eight save percentage and he's made like four starts. No, he's got a nine thirty nine save percentage right now.
0: Yeah, like he's gonna win the Vesna.
1: <laughs> he's got three shutouts, which are the third most in the league, and he the third of which came after he. St- he made 37 shots in his first—he saved 30, all 37 shots in his first game back from COVID. And then his 20 goals saved above average is one below Jack Campbell's league leading of, t- of 21. His 67 goals allowed adjusted is the best in the NHL. And his 6.0 port, uh, point share ranks the fifth highest amongst all NHL net miners, despite Shosturkin playing only 22 games. And he's not even a last man in. Yeah, they're they like actually Mika Zibanejad. <laughs> or Chris Kreider. Like, look, they're, like, they're doing—like, they're, they're having good seasons, but— like Shisterkin is the best goaltender in the NHL. Like this is ridiculous.
0: Yeah, like it, honestly, it's it's so stupid. Like Allstar in general is stupid, and you're not gonna change my mind about that. Like, yeah. I will not watch one single second of NHL Allstar weekend. I'll see the clips on Twitter. Doesn't matter. But like, to be fair, I might be kind of busy.
1: <laughs> yeah, but it, it it uh I stopped watching after they like they invited um. Kendall Coin Schofield to, and then she beat Leon Dreisaddle and he just didn't give her the money until all of Twitter had to pressure them to do it. After that, I was yeah. like, you know what? Screw this. I, I, like, this is just, this just doesn't matter.
0: It's a meaningless game happening in a pandemic that's totally, a, that's causing a bunch of unnecessary travel. And it just, sorry, but like, it doesn't need to happen.
1: Yeah. Roman Yossi might win the, like, Roman Yossi's scoring it over a point per game. He's averaging like 24 minutes a night. He's the captain of the Predators who are doing well this year. And he's, he's not even like he's not even the last man in. Yeah. Like what are we doing? No, he is in last man oh, in. Oh, he is. Okay. It's
0: Yeah, but he's going up against Kadri and like both of them should just be there.
1: Yeah. It's it's ridiculous. It's it's absurd. Anyway, on to some very very different toned news. Um and I want to give a content warning before we start with this because there's mentions of sexual assault and uh you know the trauma that that is involved with that. Um so former NHLer uh NHL forward Reed Boucher came out this year that he pled guilty to sexually assaulting his billet sister. So Brie Boucher was 17 at the time and he pled guilty to sexually assaulting his billet sister um, who he lived with who was 12, who was 12 at the time um, when he was with the U S national development program. Um, essentially what happened is he pressured her into um, performing oral sex on him the first time um, he used a video, I guess of her dancing as blackmail. She did it. And then the second time, he used the first instance, like the first encounter between them as blackmail to ensure a second one. Um, Boucher then went on to, you know move up the hockey world. Um, and meanwhile, the victim went on to uh, you know have eating disorders, self-harm, substance abuse. Uh, she had in-home psychiatric care at one point. And so on the weekend, uh, Brie Boucher pled guilty to a third degree. Uh, charge of sexual misconduct um, against a minor. Uh, it was act, that was actually like sort of whittled down from a first degree, which would have caused uh, which would have carried a 25 years um, maximum sentence in prison. Um, but the judge allowed him to enter this plea um, by allowing him, which would allow him to face no upfront jail time. And if he serves the sentence, which will likely be, you know, probation and community service and whatnot, um, it will then be stricken from his criminal record. Um, at the time, USA Hockey was notified, notified of this. They say they didn't know about it, but they also removed him from the billet house shortly after this. And then he went on to play in the, um, I believe, in an in international tournament. I'm not sure if it was the World Juniors or if it was Ivan Holenka or something like that. Um, and But they still say, oh, we didn't know. Then why did you remove him? So there's a lot going on here. And so essentially, this is another example of... Um, a,
0: USA Hockey involved again. USA,
1: like... <sighs> USA Hockey's general... Let's just recap USA Hockey's year. So USA Hockey's general manager had to uh, step down because he orchestrated one of the most... One of – not one of the – one the worst sexual assault cover-up that we know so far, that we know of at least so far. He had to step down. Then the guy who would who would come in, Bill Guerin, was also accused of covering something up. He was eventually cleared of that. We have to make note of that. But, again, still associated with it. And then –
0: There was a settlement was a reached, settlement though, reach. which
1: – um, and then there was, and then on top of that, the, their, uh, vice president of hockey operations, the guy who's going to be, you know, like leading all these teams, John Van Priesbrook has, has been like, ha- has been on the record, like admitting to using racial slurs against players of color, uh, specifically Trevor Daly. Um, and he, no, no, uh, you know, no essentially repercussions for that he's still able to like be the face and at the forefront of usa hockey. i think
0: it might be time for usa hockey to
1: h- hire new people and now this and it is <laughs> just like usa usa hockey i'm i'm shocked we haven't had like a further invet- Like because at this point it's like what the hell is going on in here what are you allowing to happen like how have we not had
0: yeah this is like Becoming very close to USA yes. Gymnastics and I did not think we would ever get there. Um, And to me, I look at it and Katie Strang, again, a queen, went right to mm-hmm. Lou Lamorello, And we always get on Lou because he like says a bunch of stuff without saying anything.
1: He did, He said some stuff now. And
0: he was – I like I was talking to somebody who knows Lou really well and they even said they were like Lou was way more direct than he usually is because usually Lou doesn't say anything but the fact that he was as direct as he was and I mean like I have personal experience with Lou Mm Amorello and I would say he is in my top two in people employed by hockey teams currently that I respect like Lou's reputation is I take care of my employees we do the research and we do not tolerate this kind of behavior so as soon as Katie Strang asked that question, and obviously he said no, I knew right off. Like I
1: knew he was telling the
0: truth. Yeah, I I knew one hundred percent. Lou would have sent him to the sun.
1: I mean, just like look at what Lou has done to players who you know who are like this. Players who don't who have committed things that you know are not in line with society's values. Like it, you know, he. It, I think that he's one of the guys who, like you said, we can. We can take it face value here, which I wonder why. I wonder if that's one of the reasons why he's not at the forefront of USA hockey. Like this is, this is the two time GM of the year award. Who's, you know, a hockey legend. He's won m- multiple Stanley cups. His, his team just made the back-to-back conference finals was dealt the worst logistical hand in hockey this year and is clawing their way back to a playoff spot. And he's not, and it's, and, you know, he's not the guy who's at the forefront. I wonder if he just doesn't want to associate himself with USA hockey right now, based on what's going on in here.
0: Yeah. And I was reading, I think it was like Corey Massasak that had it, um, that like the devil signed Reed Boucher to a contract in 2014. But like, even at that juncture, um, he still had not been charged from what Mm -hmm. I can like look up and read. And like, Lou Lamorello is not going to have a ch- someone who has pending charges against them, like, signed to a contract. Like, there's there's just, it's not a thing. And so, like, the fact that he was as direct as he was with Katie Strength, the fact that he even, normally Lou is very, like, secretive. And the fact that he came out and, like, you could tell he was, like, willing to go public with this. Like, I feel like that sends a message in and of itself. And at, at this point, like, you mentioned the USA hockey stuff and you do have to think like maybe he's just not willing Mm -hmm. to be part of the BS that's there. And that is an enormous red flag. If, if your organization does not want to carry themselves, even to the stipulation of things like being on time, like, I don't know, man, because we always say like Lou Lamorello has weird rules. Well, you want to know what, what Lou Lamorello's rules also don't allow for predators
1: yeah and it's all like so
0: i'll take you have to be clean shaven
1: yeah i'll shave every day if if it if it means that you know i'm in a safe environment anyway rachel let's do that hockey and by doing that hockey let's do in a deep dive and my favorite my favorite thing in the whole world rachel my my default this is literally my default setting as i run the as i run the the thn tiktok account now my my default is if i don't have any ideas that day i just default to Oilers slander and (laughs) and let's let's dive in here because holy smokes it is it like it is it is brutal in edmonton right now it is the worst case scenario they have they are getting demolished the locker room is is upset the players are afraid the like and and so let's just talk about it because i think like a lot of other shows have talked about it and we've tried to stick stay steer away a bit because you know we get on them no i want to i want to have a i want to have a fun frank conversation about the Oilers and what's going on here. I so let's let's do it, shall we?
0: So they're 2-10 and 2 in their last 14 games, which is not good. Bad. That's terrible. Um they were up 3-1 on Ottawa and lost 6-4, which is bad. But in so in the 14 game stretch, I like went and I ran some numbers because that's sort of what I do. Um they've been outscored 35 to 56.
1: Jesus Christ.
0: Um, so, in their first, just for context, in their first twenty-one games, where they were sixteen and five, they scored three point nine goals for and let in two point nine again. So, essentially, they were winning every game four or three. Okay. Which is why betting the over is a good idea when where Edmonton mm-hmm. is concerned. In their last fourteen games, they are averaging two and a half goals for again uh, four per game, which is a goal and a half less. And they are giving up exactly four goals a game. That's brutal. And
1: yet, okay, (laughs) so every single year, we've we've established, you and I, um, and many other players, or many other people, but you and I specifically, we've established that any time you have a player, you have Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl, or Connor McDavid or Leon Dreisaitl on your roster, every single season that you are, are privy to that pleasure is a contention year. You must go for it. It's Correct. the reason why the Pittsburgh Penguins have just kept the ship going, no matter what. You know, it's that's it.
0: Basically, the Oilers' window is three years because I believe that's how many years are left, like on that particular deal. Well,
1: on so really, th- I thought it did did
0: oh, I think it's on dry yeah on because McDavid has another three, year yeah. to
1: go so, after him.
0: So so you have. You have three years as your contending window, which means that if you have assets that aren't going to help you in the next three years, get rid of them. Philip Broberg, not going to be a useful piece in the next three years. Out. 2022 first round pick, not going to help in the next three years. Out. 2023, not going to help. Out. Uh, Any prospects that aren't going to help in the next four years, Xavier Borgo, whatever the case may be. Out. If it does not give you help in the next three years, it needs to go. And yet, what
1: did Ken Holland say at a press conference? Uh, I don't want to give up my first round pick. Our or our top prospects.
0: Yeah, I'm sorry, but if it's not going, if you do not have a prospect that's going to come in and contribute the way like Alex DeBrinket did, or the way that Mitch Marner did, like I'm sorry, but out.
1: Can we? Can we talk about how? Ken Holland is maybe the worst GM in the NHL after Jim Benning got booted um, because all like and I think we need to take context in this into this as well, because all he had to do with with the way that the Edmonton media carries water for that team and it is shameless NHL by Maddie will will we'll, like it, it's notorious. Um, David's Spe- stable. David Sta- well, he's not even writing about hockey anymore. I don't think he's just, you know, being a weird
0: He's too busy, God knows, doing what on Twitter.
1: Um, all Ken Holland had to do. He, so he came in, he inherited the two best pure scorers in the NHL. The guy, people who will finish one and two in NHL scoring on the same team signed to, at least in, in Dreisaitl's case, a team-friendly contract. And all he had to do was.
0: Uh, McDavid is worth fifteen million dollars well, yeah, a year. But, That's a team friendly deal. Yeah, <laughs>
1: but I mean, I, I don't know if you can really say that. You know, the, like the the highest paid player in the league's on t- team friendly deal. Like at least with Drysdale, the guy's like gonna. The guy's a heart winner. He's gonna score fifty goals every year, and he's signed to like eight point five or something. It's absurd. But all he had to do was do a a just a marginally better job than Peter Chiarelli, and he would have been hailed as a hero in that town. And he has blown it. Because this is a contention year, and this is how he built the team, Rachel. He thought, okay, McDavid, McDavid and Drysaddle, contention year. We only have a couple of years left on their deals. Uh, we're, we're ready to go. Let's reunite Tyson Berry and Cody Cece. Give the latter a four-year deal. Let's trade Ethan Bear. Because apparently getting Cody Cece means we don't need Ethan Bear anymore. Let's trade him. Fogle's been fine, but he's not gonna you know really move the needle that much. Um, let's give Darnell Nurse one of the worst contracts in the NHL, eight years.
0: And at- let's trade for Duncan Keith. <laughs> Let,
1: and let's trade for and let's not just trade for Duncan Keith. Let's give up a pick and a player and not have them retain any salary whatsoever. Um, and then on top of that. We our goaltending was our biggest hurdle last year. That's what that's what that's what screwed us. Everyone knew that. We knew that. So let's re-sign Mike Smith, thirty-nine-year-old Mike Smith, with a host of health problems, who is notoriously streaky, um, to a two-year deal. Mike Smith has
0: when Stuart Skinner needs waivers next year.
1: Yeah, and then also uh, let's not <laughs> let's not even just like include a sweetener for anyone to take Miko Koskinen. Let's go. Let's run back the worst goaltend, one of the worst goaltending duos among contending teams in the league. Let's give Mike's. Speaking it's absurd. Of-
0: Speaking yeah, of goaltending, so Miko Koskinen. First of all, the Oilers as a whole have an eight. Mat, terrible
1: defensively. They
0: have an eight nine eight save percentage this year. The, the that's the, bad. Like the goalies, that's bad. But Miko Koskinen, like, the first like seven eight games of the season, like we were ten games into the NHL season, and people were like, Miko Koskinen's going to win the Vesna, and I was like, just hey slow guys, down, let's, let's chill. So in his first seven games that he played in, he had a nine thirty four. Fantastic, excellent. Yeah. He's played 20 games this year. In his last 13 games, he has a save percentage of 881. And specifically, in the 210 and 2 stretch, he has a save percentage of 866.
1: It's it's hard.
0: Is literally like that would that belongs in the ECHL.
1: Oh yeah, I will like the I would I, like I, I always say the worst goaltending I've ever seen at the professional level was the first I would say 30 games of the 2018-19 Toronto Marley season where they had a tandem of when the waivers situation that Garrett Sparks forced uh, forced him to have a tandem of uh, Jeff Glass and uh, uh, what's his name Casimir Kaskasuo. and I believe Kaskasuo had an eight like 71 or something. And Glass had an eight forty nine, which was brutal. But and then he was eventually kicked out. But that's the worst goaltending I've ever seen <laughs> at the at the NHL level. And this is close. Like this is this is this is getting there. Like
0: I, if your save percentage starts with an eight, it's not good enough. Never mind having an eight sixty six. And like Stuart Skinner in the ten, two ten and two stretch has played five games, and he has an eight eighty two. So like they're not getting help from anyone.
1: And it's remarkable just how like through through no method, through no method of trade, through no method of waivers, through no method of uh free agency or anything, they didn't just get another guy in there. Like they didn't they didn't just go and, and do anything. Like they, they they looked at their they looked at what precipitated their downfall last year and they thought, okay Let's run it back and not only run it back, let's give the oldest, most injury prone guy of the duo a two year extension.
0: Yeah, that that is one of the most underrated worst contracts I've seen in quite some time. Because of the implications that it has. Like, yes, the Seth Jones deal was just god awful, and honestly so was the Darnell Nurse yeah. deal. Um but the Mike Smith deal, like, could cause you to lose another young goalie and like what like why? And so so he's played 6 games this yeah.
1: year. And so this is the so that's the on-ice stuff. The off-ice stuff is looking pretty rough because I'm not sure if you saw McDavid's uh, uh like press conference after this last game, but this is that's a guy who is furious. There were car-
0: Oh, Jeff Jackson is 100% having a call with Ken Holland to basically say you fix that wagon or he's out.
1: Yeah, there are cartoon like anger lines above his head. Like it is it is brutal. And then so, but then I look at that and I go, I have zero sympathy for him. Because earlier this week, Connor David was asked, and keep in mind, this is the captain, face of the league, was asked, you know.
0: Yeah, we talked about this last show. What do you think
1: about bringing on uh, Vander Kane? And you talked about how Lula Morello would have never, you know, signed or brought in someone with pending charges against him. Um,. And Conor David goes, you know, well, you know, uh, I just want to win and this, that, the other. And, you know, if the media doesn't. I'm
0: not interested in the off-ice yeah, stuff. And
1: if the media doesn't like it or the fans don't like it, then I guess, uh, guess it is what it is. So, the, so we have, so on top of all this, we have the captain of the Edmonton Oilers and the, the, the best player in the league and the face of the NHL saying, I don't really care about what happens off the ice as long as it helps us win after everything that's come to light in hockey this year it's that just again
0: it's unacceptable it goes
1: to show that we have that that the nhl has learned nothing no matter how many like keep in mind this is a teammate of duncan keith so i wonder like i wonder uh it it shouldn't shock you that a teammate of duncan keith is cool with overlooking some off-ice uh some off-ice charges and and in you know just legal troubles and, and and abuse and whatnot as long as it helps the bottom line as long as it helps winning like what like every every player, every team, like was always spoken up saying, Oh, it really made me look differently at this, or oh, you know, we really have to do th-. it's all hollow. And if Ken like if Ken Holland truly And this is all like and this is already a, a this is already a team that is frayed on the inside. Zach Cassian apparently, like, during a team meeting was so pissed that he just went on an exercise bike and just ripped on it for like ten minutes just to like get his get anger out. Um and like David's visibly frustrated, like Dry sidle is Dreisaitl, like the thing about, so like with Connor,
0: he kind of just like shrugs his shoulders. Like there were like nine shoulder shrugs yeah, or whatever. In like a
1: 45 second The <laughs> thing with
0: Dreisaitl, and to be fair, like most Germans, there's two, there's basically two options. You either internalize it. And if you know, mm-hmm. you know, because you could tell by looking at it or you are angry German man. Yeah. And they're like, there's, there's, it's one or the other. And you could tell with Dreisaitl that he's definitely the former, like he internalizes a lot of it. But my friend who plays uh, professional soccer in Germany and like he's with the national team. So he's arguably a bigger athlete, not even arguably, he's a bigger athlete than Dreisaitl is. Mm -hmm. He's very much the same way. And I can tell when, like when he's angry about how things are going and I looked I've looked at Drysdale's press conferences the past week or so and it's very very similar like Seidel is steaming inside uh,
1: like you're having your prime he wants to rip heads off you're having your prime yeah. wasted like it like wasted like all all McDavid and Drysdale have done since since getting to Edmonton is give them the two like arguably the two best players in the league and just like, win a win, like, awards, score goals, assume leadership roles on the team. And all management has done is give them nothing to build around. Yeah. Boat anchors, boat anchor contracts, play like given or just players who aren't like trying to force play. Like, how how hard is it to find a winger to play with Connor McDavid?
0: I just, I like, I think part of it, I think McDavid and Settle are like almost part of the problem because they need to publicly call out and be like, can we have some goddamn help? Like,
1: yeah, like, again we want to like if you look at the NBA like they they will call their team out yeah they will and even like I remember in 2014 so the year before I believe it was 2014 so the year before the 2015 run the Jays were I think they were like 500 at, at the deadline and management didn't do anything yeah and like and Bautista and Encarnacion and at the time Jose Reyes who eventually uh got traded and is also accused of stuff was just like was just like this is this is ridiculous like are we we really don't have any help here like we're not going to like you're not going to do anything for us and then what happened the next year they acquired Troy Tulowitzki and David Price and almost made the world series you know it's like like at a certain point you can't be the typical hockey, you know, I'll put my head down and keep going like you're a you're a, a prominent voice, whether you want to recognize it or not. Your words matter, which a should mean that you shouldn't be advocating to hire basically a criminal at this point or an alleged criminal um, to who has also destroyed every he's left every locker room in in his, you know, Tatters. In ruin like he's that meme of the devil of the, the Grim Reaper come like leaving doors covered with blood and coming into the next door like it's he's he's done that and, you, and you're going to advocate because he can what score 25 goals he's going to do that and then you need to go out there and you need to say to the media you know this is unacceptable we need some help we need or we need uh, uh, like management to step up or do something because you're just. No one's gonna have sympathy for you. Like I don't have any sympathy at this. You signed an eight-year deal to be in Edmonton. You signed like you. You signed an eight-year deal to be here. You haven't. You are the best player in the league. You have all. You've the most autonomy, I think, of any player in the league. And you're not using it. You're just what? You're you're just gonna be content to lose, to sit in this organization that it constantly fumbles your prime and lose. No, speak up. Like it, it's you. Th- Either way, I think we've kind
0: of exhausted. Yeah.
1: Okay, this. Jack Eichel. Yeah. Jack Eichel could return in February. February is next month, by the way, Rachel, in case I'm you not know. I'm aware. Yeah. Um, I love this. I mean, I, this hope, I hope it's
0: not rushed, but like he had surgery November 12th and the fact that he could be back three months later, like I think it's fantastic for the league. It would be super cool if... Like, the first time he was introduced to Vegas fans, it was, like, at All-Star. Like, they just had him skate out and be, like, part of the festivities.
1: That'd be so cool.
0: Like, oh, here's your demonstrator for all of the All-Star activities. It's Jack Eichel.
1: Or at least let him take, like, warm-up, you know? Something like that. For the three-on-three game. Like, let him, just show him in a Vegas jersey. Right. So, I
0: think, like, he skated with Vegas. He's been doing, like, goalie sessions. He's been at morning skate. He's wearing the red no-contact jersey. Like, it looks like he's trending in the right direction. Obviously, contact is the most important part here. And that's really going to dictate what the timeline is. But just the fact that, like, we could be getting Jack Eichel in February is, like, it's wild. Like, even getting him in March is like, whoa. And Vegas is obviously going to have some finagling to do. But I think at this juncture, like, you look at it and you go, man, we're getting a player of
1: Jack Eichel's quality. Like, Mm -hmm. that's fine. We're good. We'll
0: figure it out. And it just
1: goes to show, like, how how much of a headache buffalo could have avoided if they just let him have this yeah like, like i
0: honestly i cannot wait you know how that nhl revenge twitter account yeah okay so i cannot wait until jack eichel plays his first game against buffalo like i am probably going to bet on him getting a hat trick he is going to have a 5 point night
1: yeah, it's <laughs> it's ridiculous like i they could have just let him let him get this procedure they could have just like avoided all of this, and instead, you know, they they trade him to another team for somewhat of an underwhelming package, and he's what going to be back in the lineup like f- four months after undergoing this procedure. Like it's it's remarkable. Um, I also, but like also, I have no idea how they're going to get him in the lineup from a cap perspective. Like it is that's
0: not our job to figure out exactly.
1: Yet. And I guess I guess uh, uh, uh Max Pacioretty undergoing surgery is going to help because they can just they're going to put them on ltir and do all that but man it's going to be interesting i also do love the nhl tweeting out like it still can't get over the nhl tweeting out like the can you imagine this this vegas lineup that is not cap compliant like (laughs) yeah (laughs) come on guys all right another another bit of a headline that came out that we'll do a little deep dive into now is john klingberg he wants out of dallas and apparently dallas uh doesn't want him either. Contracts talks have stalled. Uh, he's very disgruntled about it. Dallas isn't doing that well this year. So it's not like, you know, it, 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 they could be sellers and he doesn't have an NTC, doesn't have a no trade clause. So he can really be uh, shipped anywhere. This is very interesting because Klingberg is good.
0: But I think like Dallas would be smart to say, okay, where do you want to go? Because if you know that there's a potential that he resigns, you can ask for more, right? Exactly. You can always put conditions on. Okay, if he resigns then we get like a first round pick or whatever. And so you want to trade him somewhere where you think he wants to go. I think St. Louis could be an option. I think Anaheim could be an option. Um I think there are definitely options out there. Um but you look at it and he's getting like third-pair minutes now because it's clear that they want to move on from him. So you might as well move on and like get as much as you can for him. Um, but it's it's clear at this point that uh, they're heading for divorce, and I I wouldn't be surprised if they don't wait till the deadline. I think like this could get done like pretty quickly.
1: He'd be quite the deadline piece because I mean this is a guy who's he's had a sixty-seven point season before. You know he's he's gonna he scores at you know maybe he scores like a fifty to sixty point pace every year. If let's he, say
0: you're a contender, right? So let's say you have like Carolina, Colorado, Toronto, right
1: shot D uh, too,
0: right. Let's say so he's four two five right now. Let's say you yeah. get Dallas to retain half, right? Mm-hmm. You the package you could get from a contender. If you retain half, if you get John Klingberg at two one five or whatever, mm-hmm. like that would be wild. Even if you got John Klingberg at three million dollars, yeah. So they retained like twenty five percent or whatever, like you could get a ransom like if i'm carolina you're getting like probably you're getting a prospect and then like if we make like the cup final then you get like a second round pick if we re-sign him you get a first round pick like that kind of thing toronto like maybe it's nick robertson
1: damn would you okay yeah so would first of all would you advocate for the leafs to get Klingberg?
0: Yes, because their right side, right side is a hot mess.
1: Yeah. Well, yeah, you've Justin a Hall. A hot and all that. mess. He would look real good, but like what would that cost? Are they comfortable trading their first round pick again? Are they I
0: think it probably costs them a young defenseman, so whether it's like Timothy Liljegren Travis Dermott, like there's got to be money going the other way. Yeah. Um, I think it probably costs them that. It probably costs them a top-end prospect man less so like less than a like i i would say it's less likely to be a a pick unless they're conditional picks um dallas is probably going to want first of all toronto if they're going to do it has to send a player the other way because of the money um so i think you're getting a player and if you you, then you get basically get to pick you either want to pick or you want uh, a top end prospect but you can't have both
1: would you would you send nick robertson out yes really Everyone's yeah. everyone has soured on that guy so much recently. No,
0: no, 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 no. I haven't soured on him. I think he's that good. I just think that if you have the chance to get a right-handed defenseman in your prime, yeah. similar to the Oilers, the Leafs contending windows now, and mm-hmm. if and if you don't have pieces that can help you now, then they need to be on the table.
1: Absolutely, and especially and that's, so.
0: Whether it's Matthew Nyes or Nick Robertson or Travis Dermott, like whoever the case is, like if you cannot help now,
1: you're out. Well, I think having—I think getting guys—like, dra- their their success in drafting the later rounds recently, like getting a—like um, like getting a guy like Nice, like getting a guy like Rodion Amirov, who—I guess that's not a later round. It was the first round. I was going like, to say,
0: that was the first round. But, like, yes. Robertson, they got in the second round. Exactly. They, Nize, got, Nize they got in the, the second, second round. round. Even, like— uh, VT Miettinen, they got yes. I think in the sixth round. Like if you can have guys like that, then I Topi think you can. Mella,
1: who's a defenseman, but still, like it's you yeah,
0: Rony Hirvonen, like that yeah. kind of stuff. I think you absolutely um have to consider it and like the leaves do have some, some pretty good prospects and so
1: like abramov's killing it at the ahl level right now you have hosang who could come up in a pinch anytime you need alex steves is killing it at the ahl level right now probably need some more you know seasoning there but like they yeah. have some good forward prospects so i guess like robertson i think is the best of the bunch and we i think once he comes back and starts scoring at a torrid pace in the ahl again you know that people will become aware of that once, once more. But yeah, like it's Klingberg is like, you know what? He just seems exactly the kind of guy that like Boston will, will ante up for, for like at the trade deadline. I think for I could see run.
0: Carolina anteing up. For oh yeah. Well, or St. Louis.
1: Yeah. St. Louis too. But it's just like, but I, I just find like a team like that. He's just he's, Klingberg is really good. And a team like a contending team, anting up and getting him is just, he's a guy who pushes them over the top. But I'm really like, why does Dallas not want him? Why do they not want to, to?
0: Uh, they don't want to sign him for eight years, and Klingberg wants eight years. I wouldn't sign John Klingberg yeah, for eight years. He's, he's thirty years old. Yeah, he's
1: twenty nine <laughs> right now. He's turning thirty soon. Like that's
0: yeah, that's a no for me. So Sorry, is any you're other? You're not getting longer than a five year deal. Does
1: he think any other team is going to give him eight years? No idea. I mean, did you see what happened to defenseman this summer? Uh, yeah, that's true. Tucker Pullman got a four year deal. That's true. Seth yeah. Jones, all that. Yeah, okay. So it's, it's... it's Darnell Nurse. Darnell Nurse. You know, all these guys. It's pretty, it's pretty wild. But yeah, uh, it's going to be an interesting trade deadline. I'm really looking forward to see it because there are a lot of players who are disgruntled who could be on the move, and there are a lot of teams who think that they are one piece away. And I'm wondering to see what the prices will be because last year's trade deadline, you know, middle of a pandemic, there are quarantines involved, kind of a bit of a ho-hum. This year, I think it's all bets are off. And I'm really, really excited to see what's going on. All right. Before we round out the podcast, Rachel, we go to our betting segment, Just Keep Betting. And this is where Rachel schools us on some betting stuff before we eventually start talking about some betting stuff moving forward. Now, Rachel, let's talk about how to find value, find value in a bet. Why don't you school us a little bit on that?
0: Yeah. So when you find value, it's not necessarily like who is going to win. That's not value. And in hockey, you don't really make money on that because usually you should be betting on the underdogs. That's where the value is. Fun fact, if you win four out of 10 bets on underdogs, you make more than if you win six out of 10 bets on favorites.
1: Interesting. So
0: if you win 40% of your underdog bets, you will make more than if you win 60% of your favorite bets. So when you're finding value, what that means is let's say somebody has a model
1: mm-hmm.
0: and uh, Dom Lustrition, for example, let's say Dom's model has... Uh, Montreal at 60, or no, that makes no sense. Let's say Dom's model has Carolina at 65% to win. Mm -hmm. But the betting odds, and you can do this math because you can just input it, have the Hurricanes at like minus 300. Well, you're not getting good value there Mm -hmm. because the betting odds should not be that high. And so what you want to do is you want to find teams that have a higher percentage to win but the odds don't believe they do. So ideally you find a team that's like 60% to win but the odds are like -150. Well, take that because there's value there. Or on the flip side of things, you find a team that's like 48% to win but then the odds have them at +150 or +140. Mm-hmm. Well, then there's value there. And so something like um Ottawa right a lot of the times the model has them in the 40s to win but then the the odds are plus 160 plus 180 plus like and that's good value so mm-hmm. you want to be able to find the like you find a model or you make your own and it gives you this this team has x amount of percent chance to win you type that in you figure out what the decimal odds should be and as long as the decimal odds are better than what is currently being shown by the model, then it's a value bet.
1: Hmm. So like
0: betting on Arizona has a ton of value because like they should not be plus 500 underdogs.
1: Yeah.
0: Right? And so that's why betting underdogs in hockey, because of the randomness of the game, a bounce could decide anything. The officiating could decide it. Um, or just... I don't know. In hockey, random things happen. And so it's actually best to bet underdogs in hockey because a lot of the times, like teams with 500 records, right? You could win in the shootout and then you win that bet. So like Arizona beating Toronto last week paid plus 300. And so that's where you're looking. And that's why betting on underdogs, the underdogs win in hockey, more often than in any other sport. Whereas like the favorite in darts wins 92% of the
1: time. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Don't ask why I know that. Why? Okay. I'm not going to ask that. But Just to
0: give you an idea. Like, it's very puzzling the favorite as to in hockey, why. Like the favorite in darts wins like over like 9.2 out of 10 times, which is wild. So like obviously it's smart to bet on the favorite. But in hockey, that's not the same. So if you can get value on an underdog... And you only win four out of ten bets, but if you bet ten bets on a favorite, you lose money because remember how we talked about units last week, or yeah, last week. Mm-hmm. you gotta bet extra just to make your hundred dollar unit, whereas when you're betting on the underdog, you just bet the hundred bucks and you make hundred and sixty seven if the the odds are plus one sixty seven man. And so that's how you find value. And that's usually why you'll see a lot of people who are profitable on hockey betting on the underdogs.
1: Just remarkable. Wow. Well, Rachel, that I learn something every time I talk to you and hopefully <laughs> this will help me, uh, win some money. All right. Um, so we've reached the, the logical end of the podcast, Rachel, uh, before we, before we head out, would you like to leave anything, any, any words of wisdom to our listeners?
0: Uh, Wear a mask, be kind, and if you're in the city of Toronto, maybe just stay inside right now. (laughs) Snow day, baby.
1: We will see you later this week.